Father, today we come to you. Lord, we're just asking, God, that you would work in our lives. Our desire, God, is that when we leave here, we would be different than when we came in. We want you to minister to us. And so as we read words, Lord, we don't want them to just be words, but we want your heart, Lord, to melt with our heart and to significantly impact us and change us. So we do wanna, we wanna give you this time, we wanna remove distractions, and Lord, I pray again that your will would be done here in this room this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we've been talking about, remember, uh, the author of Hebrews is writing to people, I keep saying this, but I just want it to get home to us. He's writing to people that are just doing life, man. They're going through things that we're going through. They're having difficulties. I think even some of them are having a little bit more crisis of life even than we are. And he's trying to encourage them. He's trying to tell them, hey, come on, you gotta keep going. So he's done this, what we call the hall of faith, and listed other people, check it out, who just did life, who walked with the Lord through things. And that's what it's all about. Listen, I think sometimes we think, you know, man, if I come to Jesus, my, my life will be a bed of roses. That's not what he promises. He doesn't promise easy times. As a matter of fact, my Bible says that if, you, if you're godly, you're gonna suffer some persecution. So, you know, it's not that, but it's the thing that in those times, you can walk with Jesus and he will get you through those situations and you will walk with him through those, not be always delivered out of those. So again, he's writing to those people and I'm gonna read 32 through 34 again. He says, and what more shall I say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of aliens, and women received their dead, raised to life again. Wow, you know, you, I just, I, just I, I know we've read that section like five times now. But every time you read it, it just gets a little better, doesn't it? You just read it and you go, yes, this is, this is what life is about. Now we've looked at, who have we looked at so far? We've looked at, uh, we've looked at uh, Deborah, we've looked at Barak, I'm sorry, we looked at Barak and Deborah together, Gideon, Samson, Jephthah, and now, listen, now we're down to David and Samuel. Now, I don't know why this is, I don't know why the author of Hebrews Reverse the chronono chronology. It's a new word. Or the chronology. I hate that. Well, I don't know why he reversed the chronology of, of all, almost every person that he brings up. He brings up the one that was later in, 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 uh, in the book of Judges or Samuel. And he brings him up first and it reverses it and it sort of, it messes with my head. So I've been reversing them back. In, in other words, I'm fixing Hebrews. <laughs> Not really. God is gonna like strike me dead. So listen, but, but it just, it messes me up. So I'm gonna reverse them. So we're gonna, this morning, we're gonna look at Samuel. Because, and so we can go to 1 Samuel. We're, we're done there. We can go to 1 Samuel. We're gonna spend some time there looking at Samuel and, and uh, looking at this young guy. And I, Samuel's one of my Bible heroes. 
at least early on in his life, but through most of his life. He's a guy, you know, amazing things. But I love, I love this part of his life where he's a young man, and man, listen, he's, he's in a kind of a weird position. If you know the story about Samuel, his mom was barren, right, Hannah, couldn't have kids. Her husband had two wives, which, you know, again, the Bible's doing recording of stuff, not justifying and not saying it's right. Had two wives, the other wife was having kids, she wasn't, she's struggling, she's bummed out. They go to offering, and at the offering, she's praying. Remember, she's just pouring her heart out to God, and Eli the priest thinks she's drunk and kind of hassles her for that. Then God answers that prayer, and she has Samuel, and then she dedicates Samuel to the Lord, and once she wings him, he, she gives him over to the priest, over to this guy, Eli, and he's raised in Eli's presence or in the, in the temple or the tabernacle. So that kind of catches us all up. Oh, but there's another little kind of funky part. Eli, Eli was an okay guy. Eli's not horrible, not a great priest, but not horrible. But his boys, whoo. So if you're not familiar, and one reason I'm going back and doing these people is a lot of us, we never read our Old Testament, you know, and even, even we try and get you to read through the Bible, and some of you do it, and, and you know, I, I pretend that we're all doing it because I would like to think we're all doing it, but I know people and I know we're not all doing it. So I like to back up so you get some kind of idea of what's going on and hopefully spur some excitement in you. So, but, you know, I, I just gave you a real brief flyover of chapters one and two, which you should really look at. Samuel's boys are a mess. A prophet shows up and says, you know what? I've had it, speaking for God. This is it. So kind of, and we'll look at that again in a, in a little bit. So now, now we're at the point where here's this guy hanging out in the, quote, temple, but it was really a tent. It was a tabernacle. And verse one says, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Now, I want us to think about what, what was going on for anywhere from 350 to 450 years, that's what the period of Judges covers, and I, I know that's a 100-year period. You're going, man, that's a big spread, Pat. But, you know, it depends on who you read and how you put things together and what judges overlapped other judges and whether you think they overlapped or not. So we're just gonna say 350 to 450 years, or let's just say 400 years. That's kind of in the middle, right? So for 400 years, Israel has been blowing it. They've been doing what was right in their own eyes. And now oh, they would cry out to God and God would send a deliverer and then they would blow it again. And, and you know, it's just been that, 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 that pattern for 400 years. But what amazes me here is it says, listen, it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Have you read through Judges particularly and paid attention? Do you know how many prophets show up from the time Joshua dies until this chapter? Think about, think about a 400-year period. How many prophets show up? I counted three. In Judges chapter four is Deborah, the prophetess, right? We read about her in Barak and Barak and looked at that. So there's one in chapter six. A prophet comes to Gideon at the time and speaks. And then in chapter two of 1 Samuel, a prophet comes and speaks to Eli. That's three prophets in 400 years. That's not a lot 
of the word of God going out. Now you know why he's saying it. Hey, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. So, hey, they didn't hear it a lot. And I gotta think this. This guy's in the tabernacle. Now again, that's a tent, right? Hanging out with Eli the priest. I know some of the Bible has been recorded. Why don't they have some scrolls and stuff going on? And I gotta think about, why don't they have some of that around? Why is, this, why is this a time where everything is kind of hidden away and everything's kind of, God is kind of put on his shelf and everybody's trying to do life without him and it's not working out well at all. And then listen, then it says this, it says, it says and there was no widespread revelation. So again, going through Judges, how many times was there a revelation from God where God was revealing himself to the judges. In Judges chapter two, he's revealing himself to Joshua at the time before Joshua dies. And then in six and seven, he reveals himself and the word to Gideon. And then in, in, in uh, chapter 10 to Jephthah. And then in chapter 13, he reveals himself to Samson. So listen, man, that's, that's not very many times, right? So you kind of get what's going on. This was a dark time spiritually. It didn't have to be, but it was. And this is where Samson now, he's, I, I'm thinking he's like 15, 18, maybe in his early 20s. He's about that age. I know they call him a boy, but he's about that age and hanging out and it says he's ministering to the Lord. Don't you love that? He wasn't, he wasn't in an environment that was conducive to serving the Lord. He just did it. I love that about this guy. And you might say, well, dude, he was raised in the tabernacle. How many of you were raised in the church and you didn't continue on with Jesus as, as, uh, you know, as adults? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> but just because you're raised someplace doesn't mean you're going to be a believer and a follower and a servant of the Lord. So listen, man, he's in that environment, but it says he's ministering to the Lord, and then it tells us this. It came to pass, in verse two, at that time, while Eli was laying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow dim, that he could not see. Now, I, I think, I, here's what I think is interesting. Obviously, this guy's older, and he's losing his sight. But he lost his spiritual sight way before he lost his physical sight. It's just kind of, a, it's kind of an interesting thing that they put that in there and, it, and his eyes are growing dim so he's losing his sight, he's lying down. Sounds like they slept in the temple or in a tabernacle area. You know, years ago, years ago somebody came, came to the church and they wanted to sleep at the church. They kind of just wanted to move in. Yeah, and they said, hey, can I just move in and sleep here? You know, there's room and stuff. And, and here's what they did. And Samuel did it. Here's what I told him. This is not the tabernacle, and you're not Samuel. So no, right? I mean, that's kind of a reach of, hey, because Samuel slept in the tabernacle, I should sleep in your church. So listen, there was a whole different thing, but they're getting ready to lie down, verse three, and before the lamp of God went out, 
in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. Now I wanna stop here for a moment because there's some stuff going on that I think is important to recognize. They still have the ark. Listen, man, they're paying attention to that. The ark is still there. They're in the tabernacle, but it's telling us, did you pick up on that? Before the lamp of the Lord went out. Does that like... Sound an alarm for some of you? Do you read that and go, what? According to Exodus 27, which we just read a little bit ago, if you're going through the Bible in a year, according to Exodus 27, they were supposed to supply oil so the lamp of the Lord would burn continually and never go out. That's what the whole thing, if you, if you, know, if you know the history, if you don't, Google it. That's what Hanukkah is all about. Hey, they lit and they didn't have enough oil for it to stay lit and it stayed lit for them miraculously during the time where they're cleansing the temple and kicking the Gentiles out and doing that. And you know, you can read about that. Hence the Hanukkah, the seven, uh, it's a celebration of light and it's the seven days where the, the, the candle burned miraculously. Here it says the lamp of the Lord's about to go out. Are you kind of getting the idea that God was not real important to these people? I think little Sammy, can we call him that? And he's not little, but Samuel, listen, I think Samuel's going against all, all odds, and he's wanting to walk with the Lord, and he's wanting to do it bad, and he's got Eli, who's okay. He's got the other two guys, Eli's sons. Hey, teenagers, think about this. Teenagers can be heavily impressed by 20-somethings or 30-somethings. And you got this teenager who's got these 20, 30-somethings doing what they're doing, and it doesn't affect him? You gotta, you gotta admire this guy, right? He's a, he's, a, he's a real hero. So he's laying down, and the Lord calls to him, and the Lord calls him Samuel, right? Verse four again, that the Lord called Samuel, and he said, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. Go to bed. Quit bothering me. It's late. I mean, when you do that, like, what is the matter with you? And he says, just go lie down. He goes, it wasn't me calling you. It wasn't, it wasn't. And, and so here's what I'm thinking. There's something strange going on, right? Something's happening here that's not exactly clear. You can finish that. A couple of you got that. It's a 60s song. But listen, man, Eli's not picking up on it. Samuel's not really understanding and so he goes and he lays down again. I, I love this section. I mean, you know, you can't make this kind of stuff up. And Hollywood can't write this. Verse six, then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel arose, went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now listen, he's getting annoyed, but notice that little bit of, hey, there's a little bit of compassion there, right? He's liking this guy. I didn't call you my son, you know. He says, come on, man. Just, would you just please go to sleep? Now, you would think someone would go, what on earth is happening? Now, God is calling Samuel audibly. But Eli's not hearing it, which is, which is to me, it's kind of fun, right? It's kind of, uh, you know, it's obviously a God thing. He didn't have his earbuds in, you know, and, and Eli didn't have earbuds. God is audibly speaking to him in a voice that only Samuel can hear. 
And Samuel gets up and, hey, he's trying to be faithful, right? Here I am, Saul, the third time. You think in the third time's a charm, right? Verse seven, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Oh, you see, he's in that place. He, he's not had that experience. Some of us, we read our Bibles and think, why didn't he get it, man? We all know what happens. We well, didn't know the Lord yet. It's interesting, nor, nor had the word been revealed to him. He's still in that place. And how many of us, how many of us can testify that God spoke to us before we knew the Lord? Not audibly, but God drew us. I remember when I got saved, I made this declaration, and I think a lot of us do that. Well, man, I never heard the gospel till I heard the gospel. And I remember thinking, how come no one ever told me the gospel? Listen, I grew up during Billy Graham crusades on TV. And when, when Billy Graham was on TV, he was on all three channels. Back when there was only three, some of you are going, dude, how old are you? And I know I, I, know I watch Billy Graham, but you don't hear till you hear. And here is the same thing going on. He can't hear till he hears. Even this morning, some of you are here, but you're not really hearing because you're doing grocery lists in your head, you're thinking about what you're gonna do this afternoon, kind of looking around, counting the lights maybe. I know, all, I know all the things people do in church that aren't paying attention, and you're not hearing because you're not ready to hear. And here, listen, he didn't know the Lord. He didn't know the word of the Lord. And you gotta admire this young guy. So, now here's what blows my mind. Have you picked up that God's pretty relentless? Wow, what a good God. And some of us think this. Here's what some people think. They have this like bizarre idea that if I, if I sort of miss the calling of God or go in one direction when God is, is calling me in another direction, that's it. How many times has God called this kid and he went the wrong way? Three times so far, right? God is faithful. God will, it's, he's relent. Well, it's not the third time yet, but he's going to. Listen, man, God is faithful, and you need to know that. You may head in one direction, and God will turn you around if you need to get turned around. Hey, I went all the way to Guadalajara, Mexico, to hear God call me to go to Bible school in California. That's like opposite ends. That's like not going in the right direction. And that's how faithful God is. And I tried a lot of things. Some people, some people it's funny, some people like think, dude, were you born a pastor? No, I was born a heathen. And I tried a lot of things. Hey, when I first got saved, I tried, I tried lots of different ministries. I did lots of different things. I think back when I, I, did, I did prison ministry for a little bit, and, and you know what I think about is every time I went to the prison, good things happened. It was good, it was successful. Great things happened, but that's not what I was called to. And it, it, listen, it didn't, it didn't draw me. The only thing I never ever did is I never did kids ministry because most people don't allow me around their children. They tell me, stay away from our kids. So I never did that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go serve in the children's ministry one weekend and, and do that and get that clarified. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So Samuel, listen, Samuel has missed the call twice, and it's just because he did not know the Lord, nor did he know the word of the Lord. And then verse eight, and the Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he arose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am, for you did. Now, now they're kind of getting, are you notice how this is progressing? Now they're getting a little bit argumentative, right? 
Samuel shows up and he goes, dude, you did call me, right? Every time he gets back to bed, he gets called. Samuel goes, I didn't. And he goes, hey, you did call me, right? I love that. And he, then Eli perceived that it was the Lord, that the Lord had called the boy. I like it. Eli goes, oh. After three times, oh. And some of us are that dense. I'm just saying, it's okay. It's all right. This is what we need to know. It's okay. Again, some of us think, man, if I miss it, I miss it. No, God, God will get through to you. And I love this, man. So he does this. And then Eli, verse 9, therefore Eli said to Samuel, he said, go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went, <clears throat> went and lay down in his place. So man, listen, Eli, now I think Eli's excited. What's gonna happen, right? I mean, he's gonna figure this out. And then, and then I love this part, he goes and lies down, and we're not given time frames in between each one, but then verse 10 says, now the Lord came and stood. Oh, did you pick up now? Now listen, now God's getting a little bit more aggressive. As this thing's going on, the aggression starts picking up, right? And God's getting a little bit, it says the Lord came and stood. Physically, he was there, present somehow in that room in that space so that Samuel knew it and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times Samuel Samuel oh notice the difference what did what did God call him the other times Samuel what does he do this time Samuel Samuel twice that's a good thing to make note of because check this out when God is really serious Check it out in the Bible. When he's serious and he's talking to somebody, he always says their name twice. He never says it just once, twice. Now God is serious, right? Now God knows. And I want us to know something fourth time. Four times. Does that tell you that God's not going to give up on you? He loves you. He'll find. So I love this, man. Samuel, Samuel. And then check this out. Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Notice he left something out. What did Eli tell him to say? Eli said, speak, Lord. And again, the way that's written, that's for Yahweh, right? The God of Israel. Speak, Yahweh, for your servant hears. Samuel left that out. Now, some of us would go, some of the commentators like had a fit over that. And I'm thinking, I don't think God had a fit because God kept speaking to him. It's like, you know, and and once again, here's here's the point I want to make. There's not some formula you have to follow. Some of us really get into kind of formulas and we think if we don't do this and we don't do that, you know, it's like, like I love to play golf and golfers kind of have a routine they go through, especially when they're putting and if they don't do it a certain way, they feel like they're not gonna do good. And it's, you know, some people call that superstition, but it's just their routine. And sometimes as Christians, we kind of get into this thing, I gotta follow this pattern. God's not about patterns. He's about relationship and a heart. I don't follow a pattern with my wife. Like, her and I don't have this thing, a checklist here. Well, we kind of have a, she has a list I have to do. I've never given her a list, but she gives, yeah. But anyway, sorry, that just popped in my head. But you don't have, listen, you don't have this formula that you have to do. And I kind of love that. Listen, he just says, yeah, he goes, I'm here, speak. And in verse 11, then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Hmm, (laughs) let me ask you something. If the Lord got your attention, woke you up four times, 
And the fourth time, now you're figuring it's him and you're communicating. And he told you, I'm about to tell you something that is gonna blow everybody else's mind. And it's gonna be horrendous. I think I would go, nah, 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 I don't wanna hear, right? I mean, this is pretty intense. He's, he's a young guy and God is about to tell him something. He says, everyone who hears it, their ears, both their ears, not just one ear, both their ears are gonna tingle. That's intense. And then listen to what he tells Samuel. In verse 13, for I have, or I'm sorry, verse 12, in that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Wow, whoo, okay, Lord. Now, I think there's a little bit more because he says, in that day, in that day, I will perform against Eli. In that day, he's saying, there's something coming down the pipe, Samuel, that is gonna be so intense, and that's when the judgment is coming on Eli. Now, I believe, listen, I believe Samuel knew about the judgment against Eli. That's chapter two. That's when the prophet comes and the prophet tells him, you're going to be judged. Here's the problem, man. Eli did nothing about what his boys were doing. That was his biggest downfall. His boys were ripping people off. They were ripping off their offerings. They were taking advantage of them. They were using their position and, and, and abusing it. They were abusing women who were coming in to worship. I mean, you know, it's, it's like some of the things you hear about some pastors today. And they were doing those things. And Eli knew they were doing it, yet Eli did nothing about it. Parents, we have a responsibility. You know where our first ministry is? Our first ministry is always in the home to our children. And Eli's neglecting that. So here's what God says. Eli, you chose to neglect that. Judgment's coming. Galatians chapter six. Most of us know, whatever you sow, that you will reap. And he's not talking about crops. He's talking about spiritually. And we, it just breaks my heart. Sometimes I'll hear parents say, oh, you know, and it's, all, it's, all, it's usually a boy. Oh, I just gotta go let him sow his wild oats. You know what my pat answer is? You're gonna get a huge crop of wild oats. You're not gonna get strawberries. You let him do that, that's what you're going to reap. And now, Eli's reaping this. Now, something that fascinating me when I was studying this again is a lot of the commentators were saying and talking about why, why did not Eli repent? Why did not Eli call on the Lord? Why did he not try and change God's mind in this situation? And you know, I think that's a kind of a reflection. Here's the problem. A lot of us have this thing, and I brought it up Thursday, and I'm gonna bring it up again. A lot of us have this relationship with the Lord that's transactional. And it's, it's crept into the church horribly, and, and there's part of the church that is huge in it, and they're losing, they're losing their faith quick. By transactional, here's what I mean. A lot of us make deals with God. God, if you do this, I will do this. And we have this thing going, even as believers, some of you are going, no, I don't do it, I bet you do. 
And even in your prayers, your prayers sometimes are based on, God, when this happens, then I'm gonna do this. And I'm not talking about a fleece. I'm just saying we lay those things out, and here's what we do. We expect if I repent, here's what you have to do. If I pray four times in a row, here's what you have to do. That's called transactional Christianity. You're making a transaction with God. There's only one transaction that counts with God. It's when Jesus Christ hung on the cross and paid for our sins. That's a good transaction. What we start doing, listen, God did not say, Eli, you have a chance to repent. Eli had a chance to repent between chapter three and chapter, or chapter two and chapter three. He chose not to. Now it's time for judgment. And he says, judgment is coming, period. There's no like, and he says, I don't care. You can offer 500 offerings. I ain't changing. That's pretty heavy. And so kind of keep that in mind the next time you're doing something. You need to understand something. God loves you today. If you're born again, he loves you right now as much as he's ever gonna love you. You can't earn more love from God. He loves you unconditionally. Get that in your heart. Here's what happens, man. When that gets really a hold of your heart, Man, you start, listen, you start resting in that love. Not, listen, I'm not talking about kicking back in an easy chair. I'm talking about you're assured of that. You go forward, you go further with the Lord because you're assured of his love. You're not trying to earn it. You're not afraid he's gonna take it away. You're not afraid you're gonna do something and blow it and lose it. You know he loves you. So, back to this, right? So here's Samuel he gets that message, verse 15, so Samuel laid down till morning, I bet. You know what, I bet he just laid down, I bet he didn't sleep. That'd be worse than drinking a double shot espresso and laying down, right? Like his eyes had to be like, what? Wow, and then, listen, and then I love this part. It says, he slept till morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. You notice he's still doing ministry. I want us to think just for a moment, and let's be real, let's be gut check honest. If God audibly came and spoke something to you, wouldn't you blab it to everybody? Wouldn't you want everybody to know God spoke to me last night? Like, I heard him, woo! And you'd be telling everybody, you'd be shouting it. You wouldn't just go on about your ministry. You would wanna make sure that people knew God showed up at my house, talked to me audibly, and here's what he said. Not Samuel, well part of it's a bad message, but not Samuel. Oh, and by the way, don't you love this guy? He's got bad news for Eli, but he didn't wanna tell him. Saints, if you're ever in a hurry to tell somebody about their sin, you need to check your heart. You shouldn't be in a hurry to, quote, bust somebody or call somebody out. You, your heart should be, man, I don't wanna do this. You should be like going, there should be heel marks as God is dragging you into that situation where you have to confront them and tell them. So he's like freaking out a little bit. And then verse 16, Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, now I love this. Listen, there's still this calling going on, right? Now he knows the difference in voices though, right? Eli called him Samuel, my son, I kind of, again, that term of endearment. And he said, here I am. And Samuel said to him, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Now I love this, man. Samuel knows that God gave him something. He's sure of it. What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. That's pretty intense. 
right? We know what God said to him. We know that God said, it's over. I'm judging you. And here's what Eli says. If you don't tell me everything, I'm praying that God will put it on you and even more. Okay, okay, if you really want to hear it, here's what's going on, right? Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, uh, Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Man, listen, I think that's a, good, that's a good heart. He's realizing I'm going to accept whatever God brings in my life. And God is bringing this. And I think, I think Eli knows. He's blown it. Do you know it when you've sinned? Sure. We know it. it breaks, I hope it breaks our heart. But we know it. And we know some things that we're doing when we shouldn't be doing them. And we do them occasionally. And we know it, and then when God like really brings it up, we're going, oh, yeah. And he'll bust us out, and it's good. It's good feeling. And here's Eli, okay, it's fine. It's the Lord, you let him bring what, and, and do you trust God enough to bring whatever he wants to bring to you? Trust him that much? Someone's going, come on. He's a good God, he's a holy God, he's a righteous God. He's a just God, but he's also a merciful God, a gracious God. You gotta trust him, so I love that. And again, a lot of the commentators picked on him here. Why didn't he repent? Why didn't he cry out for mercy? Why didn't he do those things? I love the idea, hey God, it's you. You do whatever seems good to you. That's a good thing, I think. And Samuel, now here's, all of that was introduction to get to my hero part, right? So you got this young guy doing all that. Here's my hero part. This is what I love about Samuel. Verse 19, so Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Man, I have all of that underlined heavily in my Bible. None of his words fell to the ground. Wow. Like not some, but none. I wish I could say that. I, I wish I could say that about the last 45 minutes. Know what I'm saying? Some of you go, yeah, I absolutely do. I know when you said this, I question it. When you said that, I question it. But man, don't you want your words to count? Man, none of his words. God got a hold of this guy's heart, man, and he followed the Lord. He served the Lord. Oh, and then it says in verse 20, all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Yes. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Yes. Yes. God raised this man up and began to use him. And then you can read chapter four, they get ready to go in a battle and, and they kind of ignore Samuel. Then they have to listen to Samuel and then Samuel goes through some stuff and then God tells Samuel, hey, they're rejecting you. You need to find a king because they want a king, remember? And Samuel gets all upset and Samuel goes, hey, don't worry about it, Sammy. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. You just do what I tell you. He anoints Saul, Saul blows it. Him and Saul go back and forth and he's gotta, you know, he's gotta go up on Mount Carmel. He's gotta, and Samuel, listen man, Samuel does all of this stuff and at the end of his life, it's a good thing. Oh, and by the way, in all of that time, he goes and finds his shepherd boy, David. Next week, right? We'll talk about him some. 
But man, listen, this guy was amazing in the things he did. And the steadiness of his walk with the Lord through his life. Was it perfect? You know what Samuel's biggest weakness was? How many of you read Samuel lately? Do you know what his biggest weakness was? Do you remember? It was his boys. Samuel's boys went south. Samuel's boys went astray just like Eli's. Isn't that interesting? Why did that happen? Why did he repeat that? I, I ask myself that all the time. Why did, when, when I get to heaven, I'm gonna have to ask Samuel, what happened, dude? Why did you do that? Because you saw that, you saw that was wrong, you saw that was bad, but yet you repeated it, and it happened in your life. And sometimes that happens in our lives. Now, listen, I don't think you have to. I don't think it's a, a, you know, a thing, a spiritual thing that you have to do that. I think we can break things. I know in my family, there are things that I broke. There were things I saw growing up that I swore I would never do. There were things I saw as a teenager with my, my family that I swore that's not gonna be part of my life. And I've kept it out of my life. And, and so that whole idea of that you know, uh, generational sin thing, pfft, that's just like baloney. Have it for lunch. We can break those things. Now, Samuel didn't, but we can. But man, Samuel, what a guy. And I want to be, listen, don't you want to be that person where your words, none of your words fall to the ground? Yes. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I do thank you. God, I thank you for your word and just the challenge that we had this morning looking at this guy. And and Lord, I think the challenge for a lot of us is the fact that he heard from the Lord. And I, I just can't help get over the idea that four times, four times, you came after Samuel. And my prayer for brothers and sisters standing with me right now, I know there's a lot of us, I know a lot of us are searching and seeking and wondering and, and we want to serve you. I think there's a, a, a readiness in our heart and a, and a desire we want, but I think if we're really gut check on us, we're not really willing to do what you're going to call us to do. And so God, take our hearts Draw them close to your heart. And Lord, I know maybe some of us have even gotten in that place while I might have missed the call and therefore God's done with me. He's not done with any of us. So let us listen, God. Let us be just like Samuel. Stand up and say, here is your servant, Lord. Speak to me. Guide me and direct me. And God, be glorified in our lives. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for just a few more minutes. And if you are here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, you've never asked him to come into your life and to guide you and direct you, I wanna give you that opportunity right now here today. And listen, all you have to do is come to God and be honest with him. Let him know that you know that you're a sinner. That's called, that's, you know, some people call that confession. I call that honesty. Let God know that you know. He already knows. If you tell him you're a sinner, he's not gonna be shocked. He knows. Let him know that you know. And then you need to be genuinely sorry for your sins. Sorry that you offended a holy and righteous God. And all of that's kind of funky news because the wages of those sins is separation from God. 
the great, beautiful, glorious news is that Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay your penalty, to take what you deserved upon himself, that eternal separation, that damnation from God. He took it upon himself, paid the price. Now he holds out to you a ticket that says paid in full. And today, to receive that ticket, to grab that ticket from him, you just, you need to say a prayer. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You can say this prayer after me. You can say it out loud. You can say it silently. Volume doesn't matter. Your heart matters. If you're backslidden, come home. Come back to Jesus today. Maybe you came to church just kind of thinking, ah, ah, maybe I want to get back into church and God hit your heart. Well, you know what? Then say this prayer. Come home. If you're at home watching online, you can say the prayer from where you're at. God will hear you and you can call on his name. Again, you can say it out loud or silently. Jesus Today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. Today, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you this morning for your forgiveness. Now I want you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. 